in the dark city canyons and walk through gates of wrought iron black there lies a world that's transformed before me when I arrive will I ever go back I take a walk in botanical gardens and look for the faces of the pretty young girls just like the flowers that bloom all around me I fall in love in this colorful world you might go walking and thinking of nothing perhaps your love life is caught in a bind there in a flowery dress in the sunlight you'll find somebody who will change your mind she's counting me and she looms in my memory that beautiful face with perfume in the air she brushes my arm and smiles ever faintly a feminine vision with the sun in her hair we might go walking hand in hand in the garden and cross the bridge when it starts into rain and then go laughing and looking for shelter and find a feeling that you can't explain the colorful birds in botanical gardens all fly away to a breezy lagoon where lovers can swim in the warm summer waters surrounded by flowers in the light of the moon the gates will be closing shall I remain or go back to the world shall I remain in botanical gardens surrounded by flowers and those beautiful girls shall I remain in botanical gardens surrounded by flowers and those beautiful girls I love those flowers and those beautiful girls. I dig those flowers and those beautiful girls. Welcome to the Strange Brew Podcast. My name's Jason Barnard. That was Don McLean, one of the greatest songwriters of all time. He's written songs that have defined a generation, including American Pie and Vincent, and continued his songcraft. 
with brilliant songs typified by our opener, Botanical Gardens, the title track of his latest album. Get ready for what is one of my highlights of all my time on the Strange Brew, career-spanning interview with Don covering all his key tracks and some really, really interesting insights to the songwriting process and how that weaves into the fabric of our society, really. So let's hear my chat with Don. Hi, Don. Yeah, it's Jason Barnard here. Um, Thank you for taking the time to speak to me. No problem. So uh, your latest album is Botanical Gardens. You've said that the whole of that album revolves around that title track. Is that true? Well, the album is really a romantic album. It is. It's a romantic album, and it revolves around getting older, and there's a lot of, I guess, yearning in the song of Botanical Gardens. And uh, one of my favorites is a song called When July Comes. Mm. But there's some some fun songs on there, like Ain't She a Honey and uh, The Lucky Guy. Um, I'm very happy with the record. Um, it was produced by Mike Sievers, um, a friend of ours who uh, is also my guitar player. And he's produced a couple of other records. One of them was uh, uh, Addicted to Black, which came out a yes. few years ago. And another one, he did a whole bunch of work on the Manchester show, the mm. the video and the right. album. Uh, so, you know, we, we do a lot of work through Mike. Yeah, it turned out very well. The record company was BMG. They They did not turn out very well because they haven't really done much but uh they spent a lot of money uh, on it so they really should have done a little more but uh mm. i'm just glad i got it out mm. and you mentioned when july comes which is also one of my favorite tracks kind of more a, a reflective side of you it's got a bit more of that yes. classic american songbook feel to it as opposed to some of your other songs that are a bit more rock and roll well you know i i love slow songs and uh I spent a lot of time as a young guy um, trying to learn to control a slow song. Mm. So Vincent and uh, Empty Chairs and there's another song on that record, uh, You're All I Ever Had. and that I just love those kind of songs and I love controlling the, the time in those songs. Uh, everything is so loud and, you know, in such a hurry uh, now. And everything is big, a big distraction. You know what I mean? Mm, mm. And so I like those kind of songs too, by the way, but um, mm. not exclusively. I like rock and roll. I like popular music, old-fashioned popular music, and I like folk music. And those are the three kinds of music that I put together in my writing. Mm. Old-fashioned popular music, like, you know, Gershwin and Irving Berlin and but of course, not up to that level. My God, they're so sophisticated. But uh, and I love you so did pretty well though. That's just, that's pretty close to one of their type of songs and uh, was definitely accepted uh, as a a pop song and is accepted as a pop song. In fact, they did it uh, at uh, Megan and Harry's wedding. I don't know if you know that. That was uh, yeah. And I love you so. They requested that and recently. Quentin Tarantino got married and had that as his first song that he danced with his new wife uh, 
uh, too. He's a friend of mine and uh, told me how much he loved the song. Summer won't be long When July comes You're older than you think When July comes The winter's on its way It may seem like it's summer But it's not gonna last It may seem like it's summer But summer goes so fast When July comes If you love me I can make it through the year I can make it through the cold and rain If you love me I can make it till it's spring again than the spring You're much warmer than the summer sky When you love me I can make it till the clouds go by Then when July comes I'll have you beneath the sun When July comes We'll wander on the beach When July comes The sand is sticky hot It will always be summer The sun will burn our skin It will always be summer The waves come crashing in When July comes It will always be summer The sun will burn our skin It will always be summer The waves come crashing in When July comes Another key track from Botanical Gardens is The Lucky Guy. That, that's got a bit more of a sort of rockabilly yeah. feel, and I guess you've got those influences, yeah. you know, oh, the yeah. Roy Orbison's, the Presley's. Mm-hmm. I'm very pleased with that song. I think I would have put some background voices on it, though, if I were to do it over, but, other, but I'm not sure. I, I like it. Mm-hmm. Good track, and 
Mike was very helpful getting me started to make the record because it's pretty hard to get me uh to get me going but he uh he made that track and uh then I came in and sang to it and put my guitar on it and did some other things with it and uh so he came up with a nice record there but it was mostly because of his prodding uh, that we got that done And I'm the lucky one I'm a lucky guy Oh, when it comes to love You're the reason why You're the reason why We've been having fun Oh, when it comes to love I'm the lucky one A silver swirl in a crystal maze. You're a lazy girl on a silken shades. You're a royal flush and a string of pearls. You're a champagne blush and you're the best of girls. And I'm the lucky one. I'm a lucky guy. Oh, when it comes to love You're the reason why You're the reason why We've been having fun Oh, when it comes to love I'm the lucky one You're a cat that squeals In pretty blue high heels You're a ching a With a diamond ring You got a tender touch And a searching eye And you're much too much For any other guy And I'm the lucky one I'm a lucky guy Oh, when it comes to love You're the reason why You're the reason why We've been having fun Oh, when it comes to love I'm the lucky one Oh, when it comes to love I'm the lucky one Yeah, when it comes to love I'm the lucky one then going back to near the start of your career and I think the first track off your first albums was Big Hit Castles in the Air but but you um, re-recorded that and yeah. made it slower was that because you wanted the song to sort of come out and breathe a bit more? Yeah I was a nervous wreck 
making a tapestry album. I had, I was a nervous guy anyway, you know, very Hmm. worried about so many things. I had this, a lot of different types of songs that I was putting on this tapestry album. I had a terrible manager, a guy named Herb Garth, who just made everything worse. I was spending money I didn't have. We did not have a record deal, so I was going into debt doing this stuff. I'm just out of college. And it all made me very uncomfortable. Mm. And uh, everything was done backwards, you know, and it really annoyed me. It's just like quite nervous, but the musicians were so much fun. And the uh, the string writer was a guy named Ed Bogus, and he was wonderfully talented. Uh, did, did the string arrangements very quickly, and they were very beautiful. And uh, the castles in the air kind of had a a lurching, nervous feel to it. And so when we went to Nashville later on in the decade. Larry Butler, who was a, a hit maker. I mean, this guy had had ears for days. I mean, he really knew what a hit. Well, we made hits. Since I don't have you, Castles in the Air, and the big uh, crying, which was number one everywhere, came from the, the great Larry Butler. And he said, "Oh, I really want to do that song again, please." This, I would say, "Sure, you know." Yeah. So we we locked into a whole different attitude, and it was a a real good groove, and the song you know took off. You know, if you see like Buddy Holly's uh, versions of uh, that'll be the, the day before he cut them in uh, in New Mexico, they just don't work. But then he gets the right vibe, the right groove going, and uh, you know, in the New Mexico sessions there with uh, yeah. his producer, uh, and the thing is just right in the pocket. And it's mm-hmm. people don't understand that. You can have a great song, but if you don't make a great record out of it, it's not going to get heard. It's just not. The great record is what makes the song get heard. And, you know, after the song is out there, people say, oh, that's a great song. Yes, but you wouldn't be hearing it if it wasn't a great record first. Mm-hmm. And so Buddy made a, a crummy record of uh, That'll Be The Day and a bunch of other things and then went and did them over and, and they were Fabulous. And if she asks you why, you can tell her that I told you that I'm tired of castles in the air. I've got a dream. Want the world to share in castle walls Just lead me to despair Hills of forest green Where the mountains touch the sky A dream come true I live there till I die I'm asking you To say my last goodbye The love we knew Ain't worth another try Tell her 
think and i love you so also from tapestry is a similar case because great versions of that for you know firstly perry comard a hit and then obviously mm-hmm. elvis presley recorded that track and and then it became a standard well elvis really uh this was after the song was already it sold a million mm. you know and everybody and his mother had recorded this song I mean, any pop singer on the planet did it and then elvis you know, at the end does it and uh, took it to a whole other level, playing it every night in these big stadiums where he worked and um, and usually talking about me and mentioning me and my music. And hmm. I would hear from people who had seen him. He was a very uh, happy, to, he was very happy to sing the song. I'm delighted that I was able to give him something that he, that he enjoyed doing that meant something to him because he was a lonely person and, uh, the song talks about loneliness. Yeah. And that must be special as a songwriter to be able to record a song that, that other people take to their heart. Well, it's it's beyond special because there's no more Elvis Presley. Yeah. And there won't be any more Dylans or Jaggers or Don McLean's very soon. Mm. And you're going to be left with Taylor Swift, mm. which is, I suppose, not so bad, but it ain't Elvis, you know. Mm. You're not even going to have Madonna after a while, and she's been subject to so much abuse uh, through the years, I can't believe it, and she still scores one hit after another. She's not going to be doing that forever, and you've got to look back and think, man, she was great. People know that. That's why they go see her. Yeah. But uh, this is fading. This is, this is all passing now. 
quickly. And uh, you're going to be left with, you know, a lot of stuff that isn't worth uh, saving. I could mention names, but I'll get in a lot of trouble. work as, as a whole will just live on forever from getting the germ of american pie to having the first lyrics was that a, a quick process or did it take a period of time to work that out 
Um, it was spread out over, over about three months. Yeah. The first part I wrote immediately, the long, long time ago part, through the day the music died, that whole segment, it just came out of me completely full-blown. And I sang it into a tape recorder. That's how I do things. And uh, I said, wow, what was that? So I was a young writer, and uh, I was up against a lot of uh, issues, a lot of problems hmm. with uh, recording companies. And uh, I was working on a second album when the record company went out of business. And uh, so the album looked like it was going to be just kind of stillborn. And then United Artists took over Media Arts Records and uh, gave me a whole lot of money and uh, believed in what I was doing. I think by that time I'd written American Pie and they were all very excited. I think that's probably the thing that pushed over the the purchase of the record label was that song, my my album that I was working on. And uh, Alan Livingston was the guy who started Media Arts Records and he was the man who's a major, major record uh, executive. He ran Capitol Records and he was the coolest guy. And his brother was a songwriter as well. Uh, Jay Livingston and Alan took over Capitol and signed Sinatra, Mm. you know, when he was on his ass in the early fifties, he'd been at Columbia records and uh, he'd made a lot of crummy records with uh, different producers at Columbia, desperately trying to get a hit record for Sinatra who was as dead as you could be. And they finally, they finally let him go. Mitch Miller was responsible uh, for all, a lot of those, you know, Mama Will Bark, you know, and songs like that. All these awful songs. And um, so he didn't know where to go. And there was a little company started by Johnny Mercer called Capital Records. And Frank went over to Capital and was signed by Alan Livingston. And he had the biggest resurgence he could ever imagine. He defined the 50s on those with those capital recordings and then alan signed the kingston trio in 1958 and they were huge sellers and then the beach boys in 62 and then the beatles came on and this just a behemoth uh this record label became and so hip you know they weren't stodgy like rca or columbia they were a hip california label they built that beautiful building, which is a stack of 45s, you know, and they had these great uh, echo chambers that were under uh, under the parking lot, and they, they gave us a sound, man, you can't beat chamber echo, and that's what is in all those records, chamber echo. So he's the man, and he starts this record label, Media Arts, and I'm one of his biggest finds. He's so excited about it, and put a lot of effort behind me. And the thing just wouldn't fly. So here I am, a United Artists with American Pie, and uh, they were a terrible record company. Uh, they had no sensitivity. They were basically a record company that put out um, soundtrack albums. So the Beatles, you know, Help album came out on there, and, uh, you know, and Ferranti and Teicher, you know, just really cornball stuff that my Uncle Herbie liked, you know, and, uh, here I am on this dumb record label, but they were trying to make a transition. It took a long time, but by the time the seventies ended, they had Kenny Rogers and all these people making hits and they were, they were smoking and I should have stayed with them. 
but I left and uh, then kind of didn't have the focus that I would have had if I'd stayed, I suppose. Very interesting hearing you talk about that evolution of Capitol Record, because in a sort of in a parallel way, you described in American Pie the sort of shift from the 50s into the 60s and from a, mm-hmm. a music but also a, a social point of view? Well, it was very interesting because prior to the 1960s, uh, the only kind of music that got anything that was of a street value was uh, rock and roll, black harmony music, you know, the, you know, maybe you get a little sex in there, like 60 Minute Man, or, you know, you get something that was a little bit uh, double entendre, but never, you know, in the mainstream show business. And it was all very clean and very beautiful, you know, and they had a, a studio system. You know, the singers sang the songs, the writers wrote the songs, the producers produced them. The engineers, they owned the studios, would sign an artist, and they would uh, basically create vehicles for this guy to sing. And, and you can see this with Sinatra and with uh, Nat King Cole and with Peggy Lee, who actually was one of the first singer-songwriters. She, mm. she wrote songs. She was very talented. And she was on Capitol Records, but they would pair her. You know, with uh, people like uh, George Shearing, you know, and do these cool records, you know. Uh, but they were gorgeous. I mean, beautifully produced. And that's the system. When we went in the 60s uh, with the Stones and the Beatles, early 60s, these guys are making their own records, you know, in the studio. And there's all this reality that's starting to come in now to uh, to the world. And at the same time, it's happening in movies, you know, with the uh, Easy Rider, which they, a lot of movies before that, the guys making their own films and finding financing and getting, mm. you know, production deals with movies and we get label deals with record companies. And it's just wide open uh, now, you know, and uh, so that's where I come in. You know, I start to, I came in in the late 60s and here I am writing, you have to write all your songs find the right producer, find the right arranger, find the right studio, get a record company, do the whole damn thing yourself. And there's a lot of arguing because, you know, you're not in a system where guys know exactly what to do. You know, there's a lot of, mis- there's a lot of mistakes that can be made. It can be disastrous. Mm. So it's much tougher for an artist like me to emerge than it is for Frank Sinatra to emerge because, you know, he had the goods as a singer and all he needed, you know, then the songs were written for him and the arrangers were there and uh, the record company made these beautiful records and promoted them and knew exactly where to put them. And they went to number one. I'm out there and guys like me are out there who are making this stuff up. A long, long time ago I can still remember how that music used to make me smile And I knew if I had my chance That I could make those people dance And maybe they'd be happy for a while But February made me shiver With every paper I'd deliver Bad news on the doorstep I couldn't take one more step 
I can't remember if I cried when I read about his widowed bride, but something touched me deep inside the day the music died. So bye bye, Miss American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. And them good old boys were drinking whiskey and rye, singing, "This'll be the day that I die. This'll be the day that I die." Did you write the book of love? And
And I asked her for some happy news But she just smiled and turned away I went down to the sacred store Where I'd heard the music years before But the man there said the music wouldn't play And in the streets the children screamed The lovers cried and the poets dreamed But not a word was spoken The church bells all were broken And the three men I admire most The Father, Son and the Holy Ghost They caught the last train for the coast The day the music died And they were singing Bye-bye, Miss American Pie Drove my Chevy to the levee But the levee was dry And them good old boys Were drinking whiskey and rye Singing this'll be the day that I die This'll be the day that I die They were singing Bye-bye, Miss American Pie Drove my Chevy to the levee But the levee was dry Them good old boys Were drinking whiskey and rye Singing this'll be the day that I die What makes your music resonate with people is that you crossed a number of genres and, and then defined an era by making something completely unique. If you go across in the 1960s and 70s, I would say uh, before video came in in the 80s, mid-80s, and now there's sort of a glass ceiling that a song like Vincent or American Pie is above normal. Mm. And a lot of my stuff would be up there because I'm an old artist who did some things that people remember. But they've also been sort of timeless. Uh, they're not dated. At least it doesn't seem that way because they end up in movies and all kinds of places. It's going to be tough for some of the stuff that's around now and has been around the last 10 years to be in that place where they're untouchable and they keep gaining momentum. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't hear any songs that I... I mean, Ed Sheeran is probably the big dog out there now and uh, he's going to do I think the new James Bond theme so we'll see what he comes up with uh, people you know play his music all the time and uh, yeah, uh, I'm sure some of his stuff will will be around a long time from now You mentioned Vincent as an example of one of those songs that will obviously live on and it's inextricably linked to Van Gogh's Starry Starry Night painting what was it that inspired you kind of in that was it just case of just reading something on vincent no i was very you know everybody was very free and easy you know i had no idea what i was doing i i said oh that's a cool idea for a song it's, i i think i'll do it you know and uh, i was just so glad to be out of school hmm. you know and away from teachers you know it was 1968 69 70 71 those years I did not want to work for anybody. I did not want to settle down. I did not want to be a pillar of the community. 
you know, I wanted to ramble. I wanted to go places and sing and 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 meet people and 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 just do whatever I wanted. You know, I didn't want to be in a straitjacket, uh, have a job, you know, or have a boss. That was the worst thing I could think of. I wanted to be. I didn't care what I had to do. I would live, you know, in a spare room. I'd live in a cave rather than have a boss. And that led to this kind of free freedom of thought. So if an idea occurred to me, I would sit down and um, so I'll get the guitars and see what we can do with that, you know. And so, but there's much more to it than that because when you're involved in making an album, I mean, if you listen to the whole Botanical Gardens album, there's a theme that run, runs underneath. There's a yearning. There's a romantic theme, and it's. Mm. It's not something that is just where you're staying to one kind of song. There are a whole variety of different songs. And the same thing with the American Pie album. Starry, starry night Paint your palette blue and gray Look out on a summer's day With eyes that know the darkness in my soul Shadows on the hills Catch the trees and the daffodils Catch the breeze and the winter chills In colors on the snowy linen land Now I understand What you tried to say to me How you suffered for your sanity how you tried to set them free They would not listen They did not know how Perhaps they'll listen now Starry, starry night Flaming flowers that brightly blaze Swirling clouds in violet haze Reflect in Vincent's eyes of china blue Colors changing hue Morning fields of amber grain Weathered faces lined in pain Are soothed beneath the artist's loving hand Now I understand what you tried to say to me And how you suffered for your sanity And how you tried to set them free They would not listen, they did not know how Perhaps they'll listen now For they could not love you But still your love was true and when no hope was left inside on that starry, starry night, you took your life as lovers often do. But I could have told you, Vincent, this world was never meant for one as beautiful as you. Starry, starry night. Portraits hung in empty halls Frameless heads on nameless walls With eyes that watch the world and care
forget Like the strangers that you've met The ragged men in ragged clothes The silver thorn a bloody rose Lie crushed and broken on the virgin snow Now I think I know What you tried to say to me And how you suffered for your sanity And how you tried to set them free They would not listen, they're not listening still Perhaps they never I didn't realize it, but I knew I needed a song to pull together all the other songs that I had. And stuff came from different places. Uh, you know, after I had American Pie done, I had Till Tomorrow, I had The Grave, I had Sister Fatima, I had Empty Chairs. And then Lee Hayes brought me, I was down to see him, and he said, listen to this song, and he played this, By the Waters of Babylon. And so I thought, oh, wow, that'd be so great to finish the record, you know. So I made an arrangement of it and uh, and put that on there. And that became very famous. It's one of the first, it's probably the most famous, you know, version before the Fugies or whatever, or whatever that group was. That, mm. Some group that did a, a version of it that, you know, but it's a beautiful thing, you know, and... Uh, so again, I was always wide open to whatever might be around, you know, to use it. The opposite of the studio system, where everything was pretty much a foregone conclusion. The only thing that the studio system needed was great writers. They were had, had a tough time. They had to have their stable of great pop songwriters so that the great pop singers had something to sing. And in the movies, they needed writers to write these wonderful scripts that we had in the 40s and 50s. So they brought, you know, fine writers uh, uh, to Hollywood to to write on work on scripts um, because the, the spoken word is very important. And the same thing with uh, songwriting, the spoken word, whether it's a simple uh lyric or a complicated one like American Pie, every word matters. And I don't see the English language meaning as much to people as it did then. Um, people are not as concerned. They, they blather their way through with a bunch of bullshit and don't really say anything. And uh, so that's a big difference is the uh, respect for the English language and simplicity of, of ideas and poetry in, 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 in the writing, in movies and in, in, in uh, songs. Thank you. 
off the following album to American Pie oh my what a shame talking about the importance of language but the lyrics there are mm-hmm. interesting and you can read it a few ways mm-hmm. that was inspired by the water is wide I guess you know the water is wide I can't cross or neither do I have light wings to fly build me a boat that can carry two and both shall row my love and I so the boat that can carry two I think uh, you know, it was probably inspired by the water is wide, but um, I like the idea of time, trying to capture time. What does it all mean? You know, if a person mm. gets Alzheimer's, God forbid, you know, they don't even know their family. They don't know anything. What does it all mean? You know, if you don't know anything, it's very, uh, it's very, you know, as you get older, you reach the, so the closer to the end of the diving board, things start to come unraveled. And even though you're still around, you know, there's all this stuff that's happening, you know, and indications of the fact that whatever this experience was, it's not the same as it was and it isn't going to last forever. I mean, and you can say that when you're young, but when you start having other things happen when you're in your 70s and you see these things, you know it's not going to last forever. And that's what's very nice about, it's nice about having written some songs that people remember, you know. They were married in the old churchyard And they promised to be true to each other No matter how hard their lives might be But like meteors that fell through moments parallel They were soon to cross And on different plots of earth they both did fall Though their lives had really not been hard at all Oh my, what a shame No one's to blame It just happened that way And there's nothing you can say When two people say goodbye They'd return 
when the war that they were fighting was over. But only one lived to keep his vow. And the story I was told said he lived to be quite old before time won out. Someone asked if he knew what they both fought for, but he could not recall he'd ever been to war. Oh my, what a shame! No one's to blame. It just happened that way. And there's nothing you can say when two people say goodbye. Oh my! For there's nothing you can say when it's over, and there's nothing you can do when it's done. There's no battle you can win, and there's nothing to begin that's not begun in this moment. I recall your face, and I wonder if you still think about me. Occasionally, I still think of you, and I watch the river flow, and I know I must let go, but it's oh so hard, for the waves are all around my small canoe. I had always hoped this boat could carry two. Oh my, what a shame! No one's to blame. It just happened that way, and there's nothing you can say when two people say goodbye. Do you think this, from from what you're saying, there's a bit of a resonance with the song "I Was Always Young" from "Addicted to Black"? It does have yes. that sort of theme about growing yes. older, capturing time. What's yeah. it all mean? It's a very, it's a very common uh, theme for me. There's a lot of yearning. I don't have regrets, but I I love things, you know, and I miss things. Sometimes I think, gee, you know. If I'm not around anymore, I, I won't even be able to, you know, see the sky. Or everything matters to me because I realize it's all fleeting and it's also beautiful. The world is a beautiful place. It's made, it's been made. Unfortunately, it's been screwed up by people and not by animals. Hmm. Uh, if you take the human race off the planet, it's a, it's a, the Garden of Eden. Everything is balanced and. Things happen. Animals die when they have to. They don't have to know where they're going, or you know, they don't have to cry about their sins. And we are always—I I just don't think the human race is indigenous to the planet. The more I I see the needs of people, the more I am anxious and hope that before I die. I'll see a flying saucer land on the lawn in front of the White House, you know, because I don't think <laughs> people necessarily have evolved from apes. I don't think we're like animals. Animals don't like us, you know. If you if you touch a bird's nest, that the bird won't come back, you know. It's something about us that's a little weird, and uh, I would love to find out more about that as we go along. I might I might want to write about that actually. I don't know. 
I was always young. The pictures mean so much now. Photos of those friends that we knew. Who said they'd keep in touch, but they never called us much. I've held up pretty well while my looks have gone to hell. But what's really strange is how little you have changed. I've grown old missing you. Grown old stuck in the past. The future must have stopped somewhere, or maybe it was never there. But I've grown old at last. You were always young. Your picture stayed so faithful. I never saw those friends that we knew. They called out of the blue. They asked how they could reach you. They said they're doing very well. While our friendship went to hell. But I couldn't bear to say that I've missed you every day. I've grown old missing you. Grown old stuck in the past. The future must have stopped somewhere. Maybe it was never there, but I've grown old at last. Your picture never speaks. Never gets much clearer when magnified. It never brings you nearer. Through all those empty years, watermarked with tears. It's held up very well, while my life has gone to hell. But what's really strange is how little I have changed.
I've grown old missing you Grown old stuck in the past The future must have stopped somewhere Or maybe it was never there But I've grown old at last I guess that links into kind of the theme of, of some of your tracks. Things like war is it? a subject that comes up occasionally. And obviously one of the key tracks is The Grave. I want to ask you about an album of yours that I think is underappreciated, Headroom. There's a song on there called 1967. Yes, yeah, very good, yes. I'm very happy with that, very proud of that song. That song is in the American Troubadour documentary, which uh, we're going to recut and uh, add a lot of stuff to in the next year or so. But when you realise... How, forgetting about what I just said about the human race, I mean, we are mm. capable of so many beautiful things, so many wonderful things. And yet, how in the world, after all this time, would we devolve into destroying each other, you know, and not be able to reach some sort of uh, an accommodation to prevent pointless death, uh, not just to soldiers and stuff but i'm talking about innocent people in in iraq and afghanistan good people you know and we is a terrible very uh primitive thing that we do we demonize and dehumanize some subject that we're going after and then we feel that we have the right to, to kill them you know call them gooks you know uh wogs whatever oh they're just they're nothing they're not even human. You kill all you want. It's awful. And it's it's something we haven't progressed. I mean, and the bad thing about it is that now we're doing this in secret. Now it's like Orwell, 1984, you know, where we don't hear about Afghanistan. We don't hear about Iraq. Hmm. And I know that, you know, everybody wants to love uh, Barack Obama, but he did the same thing. He didn't change a thing. Those guys don't really run the country. The country is run by people you don't know about and by a, a, a whole group of people or whatever they are. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but they're calling the shots. And that's why I want I give Trump uh, credit for not attacking Afghanistan and not attacking Syria or whatever it was that he was poised to do. I don't think in spite of all his faults, I don't think he likes to waste money. And I think he realizes and he said this that um, these wars are costing a trillions of dollars that we don't have, and we get nothing for it. I mean, the money we spent on Iraq, we could have rebuilt the entire infrastructure of the United States. Mm-hmm. Our bridges are falling apart. Roads are falling apart. I know because I ride on those roads and those bridges. I'm a free radical. I ramble around this country. I know what Main Street looks like in every big and little town in America. So I'm there. Don McLean is everywhere. I've been everywhere. I'm not some guy that, you know, like these big rock and roll stars that only play the stadium, you know, and fly in on a private plane. That's not me. I ramble. I see stuff. I talk to people. And our country is, you know, falling apart. You know, you, you talk about a city like Detroit. 
that poor city in Detroit and other places in Michigan, all these years after the 60s, you know, it's it's mentioned as if it's a major city, but it's 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 been ruined. It's just destroyed. And and people aren't getting together to try to turn that around. I've seen cities turn around. I've seen Glasgow, Scotland turn around. I've seen Belfast, Ireland turn around. This can be done. But you gotta start. Take the first step in the right direction. The draft caught up with me Me and my pal Joe went off to war We might find heroes heaven But we'd keep the country free We would surely win just like before Roy Rogers, he was on his horse Buck Jones drew his gun And we would surely win, of course When the battle was all done 1967 I came back alone They brought Joe back in plastic on the plane 1967 Seems so long ago But I can't forget my friend Or ease my pain His family may forget him His children may regret him His wife may find another And go on His picture may grow faded And the world he knew gone jaded But as long as I shall live, I surely know I never will forget my buddy Joe The war was raging on Our country was divided and reborn Though I was back at home I had never left Saigon Cause all I got was ridicule and scorn This was no place for heroes now They all seemed to resent me They said, why did you ever go? I said, because they sent me 1967 They buried my friend Joe And I was flashing back while people wept thought of how he saved us And I watched the landmine blow And I looked down at his dog tag That I kept You'll always be a young man You 
always will be smiling. You always will be confident and true. Your picture may grow faded and the world you knew gone jaded, but as long as I shall live, I surely know I never will forget you, buddy Joe. Long as I shall live, I surely know I never will. Forget you, buddy Joe. And that's why writing songs like 1967 or The Grave, where George Michael used that uh, bravely, no one spoke out against that. They were so afraid, you know. It's not like it was in the 60s. People are terrified to say anything now. The 60s, people shot their mouths off. He was up there doing it. George Michael. I mean, I saw saw George on a you know a number of current affairs programs, singing the grave talk shows. And there was not many artists prepared to make a stand, and for him to no. do his own version of the grave when other artists were were silent. There was no he he sang a mag he was he sang a magnificent version, way better than anything I ever did, and it was time he was brave. He stood up there and said, "No, this is not right." And everybody knew it wasn't right, but because they had 9-11, they could pass that Patriot Act, and if you said too much, you were going to go to jail, and you'd never get out. Hmm. So the Bushes shut down everything in this country. Old George Bush and his son there, Junior, they're the worst thing that ever happened to America, the whole Bush family, if you ask me. And I don't care who knows it. You can't, there's no dissent. People are afraid to say anything. We live. That's why we live in such a fearful time, like now, where accusations can destroy a person because everybody's all nervous. The grave that they dug him had flowers gathered from the hillsides in bright summer colors, and the brown earth bleached white at the edge of his gravestone. He's gone. When the wars of our nation did beckon, a man barely twenty did answer the calling. Proud of the trust that he placed in our nation, he's gone. But eternity knows him, and it knows what we've done. And the rain fell like pearls on the leaves. The flowers, leaving brown muddy clay where the earth had been dry, and deep in the trench he waited for hours as he held to his rifle and prayed not to die. 
the silence of night was shattered by fire as guns and grenades blasted sharp through the air one after another his comrades were slaughtered in a morgue of marines alone standing there he crouched ever lower ever lower with fear they can't let me die they can't let me die here i'll cover myself with the mud and the earth i'll cover myself You're coming back over here, back to the UK for some dates at the end of August and uh-huh. I think there might be one on the 1st of September. I will have my uh, my band with me that I always have, all my boys, Tony Migliore and Dipperman and Brad Alban on bass. And we have a different drummer because Jerry Crew can't go overseas now. We're going to have uh, Bob Mater, who's terrific. And I'll be with my girlfriend, Paris Dunn, so everybody can come to the show to see her. <laughs> it's going to be great. I love it. love it. Do you basically just play a cross-section of a tracks as a little bit like what we've talked to on the show today? Yeah, I play a lot of different things. You know, I never know. And I, you know, right now I just worked up a version of uh, Words and Music, which is a kind of fun little song. We've got that going. I've got... Um, two or three other things. I'm getting to doing prime time again. Ah, yeah. That seems to resonate right now, actually. I'm getting a big response from that song. But yeah, you know, the thing is, these, like, for example, uh, Drake took two songs from the prime time album. And most people don't know the prime time album. Uh, it came out in the late 70s. But the song called The Wrong Thing to Do When a Good Thing Goes Bad. And Drake being this commercial genius that he is made a, a multi-platinum song called do it wrong out of my two songs so i actually am a co-writer on this very successful drake track and to me it's worth making the albums just to have young people with a different point of view about music a different point of view about art to maybe find a, a musical idea or something they can use so and there's a perfect example of it. And uh, yeah, this, it's it's amazing how he found that record. I'll be darned if I know how he did that, but uh, he did, and uh, he used those songs. I 
about a cross-section of material but are there any sort of songs we haven't covered today that you feel would be worth mentioning before we go are there any sort of underappreciated songs or songs that you want to highlight um well i think the song prime time is uh it's america as a game show you know uh it's a frantic song about uh again a, a mad wild type of a, a country completely out of control and everything is, is, uh, is up for grabs depending on what comes up on the magic wheel, mm-hmm. you know, and so it, it's a little like it is right now in a sense, because 
our president is a former television uh, reality star and um, quite an interesting thing we're in right now with uh, Trump. Whether you like him or you don't like him, uh, you cannot ignore him. (laughs) You know, we'll see what happens. But I don't really have a visceral or a personal dislike of the guy at all. I just think, let's see what happens. Let's see where we go with this. Um, Because we have a great economy right now. And employment is unemployment is very low. And the problem is that the people are just furious at this guy um, and his style and the things he says. And, but it's different. And it's America. America is always going to produce something you didn't expect. That's the thing about us. Uh, it is not. We are not a country that is wedded to tradition, but we do have certain rules and uh, and things will happen. But who would think that you could go from the Bushes who were, you know, basically uh, American royalty, political royalty to a black president, Obama, mm. who uh, uh, for eight years uh, governed with um, a lovely, um, intelligent genteel uh, approach, uh, even though he did do things I didn't like, like those wars and stuff. It it was a quiet, you know, sensible, reasonable time to this guy, you know, with his red face and flying hair and crazy remarks. I mean, that's America. That's the thing people people have to understand. My country is not a neat uh, situation. It never is. So your song Primetime kind of has a of resonance today. Yeah. I think it captures that. And also what I was doing is I was real I realized I had a I had an awareness that hit me in about nineteen seventy six that machines were going to start making music and that people were going to start acting like machines. And this is before Devo came around. Oh, yeah. So Devo is one of my favorite little groups. I love it love their videos and I like their whole it, approach. It's brilliant. And but that's what I was seeing even before they came around. You know, the robotic movement and uh, uh, mechanical kind of a machine, kind of like a modern times, you know, the movie that was that wonderful movie by Charlie Chaplin, oh. where he can't go fast enough. And that's what's happening to us. People cannot go fast enough to keep up with everything. And it, it, it's useless information at the speed of light. One of the people can't keep up with it. And that's why why Satisfaction by the Stones is probably the most important song ever in terms of what's going on in the world. Nobody Mm. is satisfied, you know, and it's all useless information. And all you're trying to do is get some satisfaction. But, you know, you got to hear all this stuff. That's great, Don. Um, let's close on prime time. And um... yeah, what you ought to do is play prime time and play prime time, and then play satisfaction. Okay, let's do that. You know? Yeah. Because they go well together. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. We'll, we'll do that. We'll we'll play prime time and then satisfaction. And uh, thank you, thank you so yeah, much. Man. And uh, hopefully everyone can uh, right. also get a copy of Botanical Gardens as well. Well, thank you for talking to me. I enjoyed speaking with you. Okay, it's an absolute pleasure and honour. Thank you, Don. 
All right, bye-bye. Well, this is life. This is prime time. This is living in the USA. Well, this is life. This is prime time. This is living the American way. I was riding on the subway in the afternoon. I saw some kids are beating out a funky tune. The lady right in front of me was old and brown. The kids began to push her. They knocked her down. This is life. This is prime time. This is.
shadows fall My reception ain't too good in a coward stall Bombers in the air, missiles in the sea Chemicals and everything, including me They don't keep their promise in the promised land It's getting mighty hard to find an honest man But coming very soon, a show you'll die to see It's called the end of the world on Channel C This is prime time, this is...
Thank you for listening to the Strange Brew Podcast. If you do like the show, please consider a small donation to help keep the show archive online. It's been almost 10 years since I started the podcast and hosting fees are increasing over time. All your support keeps the show running and helps me get amazing guests. To support me, just go to thestrangebrew.co.uk where you'll see a donate button on the homepage. Thank you very much. Plus, any reviews on your podcast services help to spread the word too. Thank you.